Well, uh, the questions of Christmas. Our, um, actually, I've, before we move any forward, I was kind of going for Angel Gabriel this morning. I've been told um, the carpenters, whoever's the carpenters is, uh, Frosty the snowman. Uh, so anyway. Oh, thanks, Mum. Just keep adding. Any more? Radio. But uh, the questions of Christmas, and uh, this is, look, I'll be honest, I whinge every year when we have to do a Christmas series, all right? But um, God, God in his grace teaches me something every year. And as a, as a preacher, it's hard at Christmas and Easter, because everyone knows what you're going to say. <laughs> everyone knows what you're going to say. And so, um, but... God's word is so alive and something new comes every single time that you can read his word. And so the questions of Christmas we have, my question this morning is that we're we're looking at this morning is, will I accept my destiny? And uh, to do that, we're going to have a look at the first part of the story or the Christmas account. And, And some people refer to it as the Christmas story, but I feel like it... Uh, gives the connotation that it's a kind of a well, once upon a time, this kind of happened kind of thing. But when, we, when we're looking and we're going to look at Luke, the Luke account this morning, but you'll see that Luke was a doctor and he starts off his book and he's like, look, I have, I have diligently questioned eyewitnesses. I have, I've talked to ministers and I'm going to give us an accurate account of what happens. In Luke 1.3, it said, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write you an orderly account. Sounds completely opposite to a once upon a time kind of story. So he's giving us a perfect understanding of this. And so Luke wasn't just hyped up on the Christmas story and how about we just put together this great novel of how Jesus was born. This is an accurate account from eyewitnesses and, and interviewing Mary and Joseph and, and uh, Elizabeth. And it's an accurate, accurate. And not only is there great detail in the account, there's great detail in the prophecy before this ever happened. And this year, I, in the second half of this year, as part of my course, I've been studying the prophets and their writings. And so when I start to read uh, the prophecies of Christmas. It just, I I love that. I love that kind of stuff. I love that 700 years before this ever happened, God put it down to the detail of what was going to happen. He said in uh, Micah 5.2, he prophesied the place. He said that, but in Bethlehem, uh, through you, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you, Come, will come for me, and one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So 700 years before Mary was even thought of and Joseph was even alive, God prophesied that in Bethlehem Jesus would be born. 700 years beforehand, he prophesied that the virgin would, the mother would be a virgin in Isaiah 7.14. 
uh, in Jeremiah 23, there's a prophecy of the descendant of David. Talk about a smart goal. Like God was very specific. It was measurable. A lot of us would think it was unachievable or realistic, but you could definitely, he was setting himself up for a large scale fail if this didn't come through. And uh, if, if this was just a story, if this was just something that we were meant to try and believe, surely you'd just say in a couple hundred years, we're not sure when a child will be born, not sure where, not sure who by, not sure what lineage, but God just placed it 700 years beforehand real, in real detail. And I love that. I love that uh, little facts that 700 years in the Bible actually means the fulfillment of prophecy. I love those things, that God just sets things up for us to know, I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking about you, and he he continues to do that. And so everything about this Christmas account is dripping with destiny. And, And long before Mary even ever met Joseph, God had planned this out. The baby Jesus was no surprise to eternity. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, all humanity had been crying out for their saviour and God had it perfectly planned. So today we're going to look at two different women. I know I was given one, but I've taken two. Uh, In the first part of the Christmas account, to teach us about destiny and also to ask the question, will I accept my destiny? So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look at the account from Luke because he uh, explains it a little more than Matthew likes to. And Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth, we'll come back and see Liz in a moment, uh, pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to the virgin pledged to the bee, married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured and the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she, who who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. First girl we're going to look at in the story is Mary. And she is the most unlikely person to be picked to carry the Messiah. I think society and Christmas or nativity scenes does uh, an injustice to what Mary was actually like. She was a 14-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl. So when we say the mother Mary and we picture this beautiful, capable, skilled mother who, who would be the best choice for Jesus, it's not Mary. And she came from Nazareth, which in the Bible... It, 
they refer to, could anything good come out of Nazareth? God, but it's that kind of, if, you, if we put it in modern day terms, think of a low socioeconomic area where you'd probably rip people off for living and pick a 14-year-old girl who would have been illiterate, she wouldn't have known how to read or write, she, uh, she would have been being trained just as a housewife and, and it was a very small town, there wouldn't have been a lot of education. Think of that girl and think whether you would pick her to raise the son of the living God. We don't even trust some 14-year-old girls with an iPhone these days. And God picks this girl to raise the Son of God. And so if we put that image in our head of what Mary was like, do we have any 14-year-old people in that in here? Is anyone 14? You don't have to be a girl. No. Anyway, well, I'm sure we're all 14 ones. <laughs> but that's, that's the picture that we need to have. And this is Mary. And an angel appears to her and, and, we, and you can see that it's an odd thing to happen because she's startled by the greeting. Uh, it, it's very, it could be very likely that Gabriel appeared as a man. It doesn't say what, what uh, he appeared as. It just says Gabriel the angel and she was startled by his greeting. It might be because it was uncommon that a man would be able to approach a young woman like that and just speak or it could just be because it was a huge angel. Uh, but everything about this situation seemed odd to her and it gave her fear and she would have been running through the ideas of me? I have heard, I've sat by the temple in the synagogue and I've heard about the prophecies of the Messiah was going to come one day, but me? I'm going to carry Jesus? And in that very moment, she could have just said, you know what, no, I'm out. Find somebody else. She had a choice. And Jesus, uh, uh, God is a gentleman with our destiny. He will not force it upon us. She had a choice and I love her response was, I am the Lord's servant. And the first lesson that we learn about destiny from Mary is that destiny is in the, de- is in the decisions, not in the details. Destiny is in the decision, not in the details. I love that she asked well, Gabriel, I'm not sure if God gave you this on the brief, but I'm still a virgin. And, and she goes, how? And, and the same kind of answer, Gabriel gives the same kind of answer, different way, God. <laughs> not really any details of the night or when and how it's going to plan out. It's just like, well, God's got it. And she made the decision to accept a destiny without details. Because there is the chance for us as Christians to be able to not understand fully, but still obey immediately. We don't need to understand fully the destiny God's calling us into for us to obey the moment he calls. Another way to put it is more important are the decisions you make than the details you don't know. It's okay for the details that you don't know, as long as you know that God's got you. Mary made the decision to trust the nature of the God she did know, despite the details of the plan she did not. And if we're talking about destiny this morning, and will I accept my destiny, we have to accept that uh, in in any destiny call or calling that God will call us to, we will not know all the details, guaranteed. Why? Because he calls us to live by faith. 
We will never know all the details of the destiny he calls us into because he needs that gap between here and there for us to go, I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. If anyone's ever read the Christmas story, we read on and Mary is pregnant and, uh, and there's a, a census called in the land and she has to travel to Bethlehem with her uh, to-be husband, Joseph, and it's nothing glamorous about it. She's on a donkey. She's like nearly due, so about eight months pregnant. Her ankles would have been swollen. She would have needed to go to the toilet all the time. She would have craved weird things. It wasn't any different to the pregnancy that, that women have today other than they don't have the health care. It would have been very difficult for her. It, she would have, it would have been annoying when she got to town and saw that, well, Joseph, why didn't you plan ahead? Or why is the town so full? And I have to sit here very likely in cow dung in in this manger. And everything would not have looked wonderful. And at that moment, Mary could have gone, what happened to the favoured one? What happened to God is with me? This is horrible. I I am not liking this at all. And, And she could have whinged and gone, hang on. I thought I had a wonderful call. Gabriel visited me. I had an encounter from the heavenlies. Who, who here in Bethlehem had that? Surely there should be a room fit for a king and a queen for me. But the second lesson that Mary teaches us is that great calling never guarantees great conditions. And you continue in despite of that. If I was doing a hashtag of this, it would be hashtag favoured, not fussy. You know, she teaches us that great calling, and none of us can deny that carrying the Messiah into the world is a great calling. Out of anyone in the Bible, couldn't we say, well, surely we could get a bed for her. Surely we could up the conditions here, Gabe. Do a little bit of that angel dust that you've got. Surely something could change here, but we are never, ever guaranteed a condition when we say yes to a call. You look through the Bible, Mary was in, Mary had to put Jesus in the manger. King David was hiding in his cave. Paul was in his prison. Joseph was a slave. Moses went into hiding. Noah was mocked. Abraham was tested. And Jesus had the cross. Great calling does not guarantee great conditions. And one of the greatest lies we believe about our destiny, I believe, in the Western world today is that it promises a set of conditions, that it looks a certain way. The only condition Mary was promised was that she could trust God's word. And conditions change, but God's word remains the same. And if you've been called into something You've you've genuinely heard the call at some time in your life, and you just feel like I don't know I don't know what happened. I'd ask you this: Were you committed to knowing God's word? Because that's all she had, and that's all that we can stand on is God's word and His faithfulness. He said that not one of my words will not come true. 
Not one will come back void. Not one will fall to the ground. We, as people of destiny of God, need to know our word of God. So in those times when we look around at the conditions and go, well, this is horrible, we can still say, but the word of God's holy. We started uh, the passage, and I mentioned Liz. Uh, You'll notice that it began with, in Luke it said that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, an unusual, an unusual way to start an account of Mary's pregnancy. But Elizabeth, if anyone knows the story, was Mary's cousin. We read in Luke 1.5 that Elizabeth was very old uh, and she had been without child all her life and, and that was a heart's desire. But her and her husband... Zacharias were, um, they served in the temple. He was a priest and it actually has glowing recommendations about this couple. It says that they, they lived holy. They were, they lived an honorable life. They served the Lord. And here we see, um, Elizabeth is six months pregnant. She's six months pregnant and, and Mary in her excitement goes, I am going to go visit Elizabeth, I have got to see this. And uh, Elizabeth could have looked at this situation in the same way that you and I could be tempted to look at situations sometimes. And she could have looked at it and said, well, I don't think that's fair. How come Mary gets to carry Jesus and I get John? I have served diligently in this temple. My husband's a priest. Surely I am more capable of carrying baby Jesus. She could have looked at and said, I'm the one who's been diligent. I have put in the effort. I'm skilled. I know the Torah back and forth. I can, I can teach him in the ways of the Lord. And we, we get so tempted in this as well. And we think, I've been at church longer. I've been saved longer. I've put in more prayer. And when we look around and see people doing ministry that we think, how come? uh, uh." And Elizabeth could have so easily done that. (laughs) B-G. Phone's on silent. She could have easily done that. So, so easily. But we see when, when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, it's such a beautiful encounter. She goes, what am I, why am I so favoured that the mother of the Lord would come to see me? And it's the most beautiful encounter. And it shows us something about destiny that you, you and I need to check ourselves all the time. And Elizabeth, the lesson Elizabeth teaches us is that destiny is not about us getting our own way, but it's about whom we're making a way for. It's not about us making our way, but who are we making a way for? Because Elizabeth knew that she was carrying the baby. If that was her only job to carry the baby, she was carrying the baby, John the Baptist, who would not, not be the Messiah, but announce the Messiah. In her obedience, she was making a way for the announcement of the Messiah. And when it comes to destiny, it is not about what you do. It's not about whether you're being fulfilled down to the T in in your skilled area. It is all about, are you doing something to make way for Jesus? And are you doing it with joy? Is it your honour?
honour? Is it the absolute pleasure of your life that even if you have to stand aside and watch people who are less qualified, less skilled, and you might say are less called or thing, and just encourage and go, I will make way for Jesus, whatever you call me, whatever you call me to. When God calls you. Now, I, I don't mean just an emotional response to the message. I don't mean, uh, I, I, I mean, you will know whether God has called you. I knew there's a few defining times in my life where I felt the call of God. Uh, one was when I was first coming to North Lakes. I, um, I'd been in my church uh, for probably 24, 20, yeah, 24 years. And I am... I'm getting better, but I used to be very, very stubborn. Now I'm just a little bit stubborn. And uh, when Luke and I were dating, I don't know why I'm telling you this. It's none of my notes, but anyway. When Luke and I was dating, I was so, 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 so stubborn. I'm like, no, when we get married, we'll be going to my church because I grew up in my church and that's where my heart is. And he would go, no, my mum and dad founded our church. And so that's where like, it's the legacy that we're going to carry on. And so we would do this thing where we'd come to North Lakes in the morning and go to my church at night. And we did that thing for a while. And, and I just remember we're in the old hall and we're in the middle of worship. And I just so remember God speaking like it pierced me. And he just said, this is home. And I was like, no. No, it's not. looks nothing like home to me. The conditions are not what I have pictured. But I just knew and I knew and I knew. And, and when you get called, you quick re, quickly realize it's not because of how wonderful you are but how wonderful the Saviour is that he would even consider letting you be a part of his miraculous plan. It is, it, you quickly realise, oh, actually, it had nothing to do with me. And if it's just that I'm going to sweep the way for the donkey for Jesus to ride on, I'll do that for the rest of my life because it is, it is our life's greatest honour to make way for the Messiah. Don't ever be fooled into if you're not being used in your skilled area that you're underperforming. If you are making way for Jesus, you are fulfilling your destiny. And I got the chance to uh, sit and speak with someone the other week with a similar heartache about this kind of thing and a similar questioning. And, and talking about feeling that they were passed over or, or maybe missed or something. And I, and I had the privilege of just looking at them and just saying, hey, if God never uses you in that capacity, if he never ever uses you in that capacity that you dreamed of or that you're, you're picturing and he uses somebody else and revival breaks out, would you be okay with that? And in your service, I challenge you to ask yourself, is it about the success that you're going to bring or is it all about bringing Jesus? And it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter what part you play, are you making a way for Jesus? Another way you, can, that you could put it is this. Calling outworked through obedience 
is more effective for the kingdom than dreams outworked in pride. Calling outworked through obedience is more effective for the kingdom than dreams outworked in pride. There are dreams I have laid down. There are dreams, but I can tell you, the reward of obedience is so rewarding. It goes far beyond anything that a dream that you paved your way because you made it, you made it, you had to do it, rather than going, all right, God, I don't know how, from here to here, I feel like you're missing my skill set, but... I'll do what you want me to do. Calling, outworked in obedience will pave the way for the kingdom. Dreams outworked in pride will pave the way for your kingdom. As we look at Mary, she was delivering Jesus and and God spoke this to me also. Sorry if they sound like one-liners, but blame him. Um, A destiny that delivers Jesus is more concerned with the redemption of mankind than the recognition from men. Mary would have gone back into that town and I can't even imagine how hard it would have been to be that young woman when she began to show. When the changes, because you said yes to destiny, began to show. I wonder what baggy clothes she probably wore around the town because it's not like today where we're all liberal and that's fine. This would have been a catastrophe for her family. And, and, and I wonder what kind of things would have been uh, spoken about when she walked past and, and when she went into town and thinks, oh, that's the girl with the God baby. Who believes that? She would have been ridiculed. She would have been called horrible names. And how horrible it would have been for Joseph to have to try and, oh, yeah, I I think it's God's. But she was so much more concerned with a destiny that delivered Jesus for the redemption of humankind than the recognition from men. And you and I need to, when we accept the destiny of Jesus Christ, you know what, it's the perfect picture to use a, a young girl carrying a child, it's the perfect picture to use. Because you know what? When you're with child, you grow. Things stretch. Things become a little uncomfortable. You experience growing pains. You experience the labor pains of bringing something to fruition that God's calling you. It's the perfect picture for destiny. And Mary, just like you and I, when it comes to destiny, Mary couldn't do away with Jesus when the conditions weren't right. And so you and I, can I encourage you, don't do away with the service and the honour and calling of destiny when conditions turn into something that you did not imagine. Don't do that. It is an honour to serve the Lord. I think about our set-up team. Not many of you would know who they are. And you know what? You might think, that's not my destiny. Getting the chairs ready, putting out the barrels, putting out the coffee, making sure people said hello. That's not my destiny, put the sign up. You know what their mindset is? And they, not once do I com- hear them complain. They get to make way for the, ch- for the house of God. They get to prepare the seats for the children of God. 
They get to make sure that when people walk into the house of God, it looks acceptable. And if you think God doesn't care about that, read the instructions for the temple. He cared down to the centimetre of how big that was. God cares how his house looks. And I, I think if destiny, if we can grasp one thing about destiny this morning, it is all about making way for Jesus. If you and I are, if you're a Christian this morning, your destiny is still to carry Jesus. We are to carry Jesus no matter what form or role that comes in, selflessly loving the Lord through roles that we think, I didn't picture this. Really, the world would tell me I don't deserve this. But oh, it is an honour to serve you, Lord. It is an honour to serve you. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll hold the spew bag while someone's throwing up so they know that love, someone loves them. I'll drive that person home. I'll stay out to 4 a.m. I'll set up the church. I'll go make a meal. I'll, if no one ever sees, count it an honour that you get to make way for Jesus in somebody's life. We see two women, two different roles, same destiny, to bring Jesus to a dying world. And I'm not sure what your role looks like this morning. It could be a mum. It could be working at a shop. It could be to be a preacher. It could be to run a ministry. It might just be to be a friend. But I know that if it's a calling from God, it's the same destiny that Elizabeth and Mary had. You are to carry Jesus. You are to carry Jesus. And if you've never heard about this Jesus this morning, and you're sitting here going, oh, I didn't know that was what Christmas is about. Can I just give you this one thought? Religion will try and tell you it's really hard to get to God. Jump through this hoop, get through that, do this, this, A, B, C, D. Religion will tell you that. You know what Christmas tells us? God came to us. He came to us. And... I pray that Mary and Elizabeth help us ask this morning, am I willing to accept my destiny? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you call us. What an honour it is that you would even call our name. Lord, put within us a heart that is willing to serve no matter the conditions. That we make the decision despite the lack of knowing how we're going to get there. Father, guide us and draw us and give us courage to hang on because we're making way for Jesus. Speak to those who are questioning about their destiny this morning, about direction. Bring clear direction. We honour you and we are honoured to be in your house. We are honoured to be your children and honoured to be called to carry Jesus. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.